0: You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Hey, good morning. We're going through the Bible in a year. Starting next week, we'll be in Genesis, a different book of the Bible every week. Uh, sometimes we'll do two in one week because there's 66 books in the Bible and uh, 52 weeks in the year, last time I checked. Uh, and uh, we think that the most important thing we can be doing right now is to be in our Bibles, to be in the scriptures, because there's so much messaging coming from everywhere else. And right now, people who claim the name of Jesus have to work hard to be united in Christ and not let any something else, as we said last week, anything else that's out there be what's driving really our our ultimate conversations in terms of the source we go to for truth. Like YouTube videos are not the source of truth. Your social media feed is not the ultimate source of truth. Your favorite blog, your favorite Instagram influencer, your favorite news anchor are not the ultimate sources of truth. The source of truth is the scriptures that God and his grace has given us. And that's what we must be united under as a people of God. We have to work for it, fight for it. Do not let lesser gods be what drives our conversation and our anxieties and our emotions and the conversation in America right now. We gotta be people that first and foremost are almost like militant in our own minds that Jesus is king and no one else. Like we have to like be like purposeful thinking that and remembering that every single day. And that's just my quick little random thing I want, not random, the thing I just want to encourage us with is to fight for unity with your Christian brothers and sisters. And by that, I mean refuse to allow lesser things to come between you during this time because we have a mission. And the mission is not to get this person or that person in office. The mission is to make disciples of every tongue, tribe, and nation Uh, Yesterday, our missionaries in Berlin, Germany uh, posted, it's been two years now since they've been overseas from our church. How cool is that? And our missionaries in Thailand had their one-year anniversary of being overseas. God is at work, God is moving, and it's so much bigger than anything that can distract us here. So let's pray that we're going to jump in, uh, talk about the doctrine of scripture this morning until we jump into the Bible next week. Father, we're grateful for your word, uh, that you've given it to us. We're thankful that you are the God of every tongue, tribe, and nation, that your plan for America is not unique Uh, It's not special compared to anywhere else. You're the God of all people who will call upon your name. But in the meantime, since we live here and you have us here, we just ask you to be with our nation, that you just bring us healing and peace, and that Christians can rise above it all by your grace and by your power, and that we can be people who first and foremost are about a cross and an empty tomb before we're about anything else. So what I ask is your word tells us we will let our light shine before others, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. There will be realists that will call balls and strikes. There will be truth-tellers, showers of grace and compassion. And as the book of 1 John tells at the very end, that we, as your little children, that we will keep ourselves from idols. We need your help for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. So scripture has many human authors, but it ultimately originates from one divine author. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said that all scripture is inspired by God, all of it. And because it's inspired by God, it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, both those things are needed, for correcting and for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That God uses the scriptures to equip us for how we live in this world, for how we live for Christ. But what we know about the Bible being equipped in the scripture should be really uh, what allows us to navigate through the things happening in our world right now. Because the news doesn't have the answer for us and the YouTube video doesn't have the answer for us and the talking head doesn't have the answer for us. God does, his word is profitable. His word is what corrects us when we go off track. His word is what he uses to train us to be more like Jesus. Peter wrote this above all, you know this. He's reminding the believers No prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation. This isn't my stuff, he's saying. This isn't my opinion, not my words, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about some random person saying they have a word from God. He's talking about the actual inspired scriptures that God himself has given us. It's been said before, the most important question we can ask is not, is there a God? It's not atheism versus theism. The most important question is, if there is a God, has he spoken? So if he hasn't spoken, we're not going to know very much about him. If he hasn't spoken, we're not going to be accountable to very much. We don't know what it is that he has for us, ultimately. And God has spoken in two different ways, one without words and one with words. And the first way God has spoken is through what's called natural revelation. Natural revelation. It's important to understand that. Natural revelation is you go drive on the Blue Ridge Parkway, you're like, wow, there's a God. You go to the beach, and once you get past the airbrush t-shirts and those kind of things, you're like, wow, there's a God. You see a baby born, and you go, wow, there, there must be a creator. But it goes deeper than that, natural revelation. Here's what the book of Romans says, the very beginning of Paul's letter to the Romans. He says, since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. So creation speaks to some of these attributes of God and to his power. And it talks about how people have responded to that. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. And claiming to be wise, like humans always like to do, they became fools compared to their God. And instead of worshiping the God of this natural revelation, they exchanged the glory of God of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Like God, I don't want you, I want to make idols instead. I want the creation, not the creator. Like natural revelation is not leaving me in awe of you, instead it's making me almost shrug my shoulders and go, okay, I see it, but I want this over here. So we can learn truths about God from natural revelation, but there's one important fact that natural revelation can never give us. The fact of what the Westminster Confession says is the knowledge of God and of His will, which is necessary unto salvation. Like, no matter how hard we study them, the mountains and trees cannot tell us that our Father, our Heavenly Father, sent His one and only Son into this rebellious world to save sinners. The most beautiful sight you've ever seen. Think about that vacation or that perfect Instagram f- caption, it can't tell us about Jesus. Like a newborn baby can tell us there's a creator, an incredible designer. The scriptures tell us that God knits babies together in their mother's womb, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. It can definitely tell us there is a God, and he is great, but it can't tell us how we can be forgiven of our sins. And at best, what Romans 1 is basically saying is that all natural revelation ultimately can do for us is condemn us, sadly. It allows us to know that God exists, but also shows we have not honored him as God, nor have we given him the worship that he is actually due. So to know God as creator and judge due to natural, or we call it, some people call it general revelation, we're not going to be able to understand him. And our responsibility to him ultimately and what we do about that unless there is a special revelation. Like we will never actually know this creator as Savior unless we have something different than just the mountains and the trees and the beach and newborn babies. But I want to know God's heart. Like I wanna know more about this God. I don't want to just know, I don't want to just know this God made mountains and made children and, and made the beach and made the countryside, and I want to know more. I want to know about his heart. And what is his heart? His heart is one of mercy and compassion. And the beach doesn't tell me that. So I actually need a second thing, which is a special revelation. Not just a natural or a general one. A specific, a special one. And only God's special revelation of himself in Scripture can tell us how we actually can be saved from our sins. As people who have exchanged the worship of God for the worship of something else, what do we do about that? How how do we actually please this God? Because if God had not chosen by his grace to speak to us, none of us could actually ever be saved. We couldn't be forgiven of our sins. We would only be those Romans 1 people who's, even though God made his great name known to us, that we didn't worship him. Instead, we worshiped other things. All general revelation does is leave us without hope. But here's good news. He has specifically spoken. Yes, he speaks through the created order, but the second thing, special revelation, he speaks through his word. He actually speaks to us through the Bible. Sinclair Ferguson wrote this, God speaks through the creation to us. He shows himself, he reveals himself to us through the creation wordlessly. So we don't hear him speak, we see him speak. And then God actually speaks to us through words. And he does that in the pages of scripture. And what the psalmist calls God's Torah, God's instruction. Just think for a moment how incredible it really is that your creator has actually spoken to you. Like, do we see that as an act of grace? I hope we do. Like, he's given us actual words. Here's what Hebrews says, that long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. We're going to jump all into that this next year. But in these last days, and we're a part of those last days now, he has spoken to us by his Son. And it tells us about that son, that God has appointed him heir of all things. He made the universe through him. The son is the radiance of God's glory an exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purifications for sins, what Jesus came to do, to die a death that we deserved in our place, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Like scripture has been fulfilled ultimately in the person and work of Jesus. And the Bible is the entire storyline of God speaking to us and showing us his plan to redeem a sinful people to himself by his grace and his mercy and compassion. Matthew Barrett says that scripture is a written form of God's revelation for his people. both the Old Testament and New Testament, which provides them with an enduring permanent witness through which the spirit brings them into union with the resurrected and ascended Christ. Scripture has been fulfilled in Christ's coming and in Christ's work. See, general or natural revelation is given to everyone, everywhere. It's very broad, very, very broad in what it says about God. This kind of divine revelation is found in every person in creation. It's found in every human conscience, Romans 1 tells us. Look about Romans 1. For his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made, and as a result, people are without excuse. So natural revelation alone can leave us as sinners condemned before God because we are without excuse, because we have a conscience that God exists, that God is great, and that we're not him. For though they knew God, and how they know God? They knew God through this general natural revelation. They did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, as in this, not that, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. And what did they do? They engaged in idol worship. They became fools while claiming to be wise and exchanged the glory of the immortal God. As in God, I don't want to worship you. Instead, images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. So the question is, what do you do about this? What do these people being described do about that reality? Thankfully, our loving, gracious, compassionate God has given us the answer, and that is that I turn to special revelation, which is specific, not broad in its content. Like through this revelation called our Bibles, God communicates the mysteries of the faith and the personal knowledge of Jesus Christ to his people. So, what's the problem that we face now as people who've received this special revelation? As Christians, we oftentimes take God's revelation of Himself for granted. So regularly that Bibles just kind of collect dust or they just kind of stay as an app on our phone. We don't visit very often. But if we think about who God is, one of the most remarkable things we can ever claim as people is that we really have His words. We have his words. How incredible that the incomprehensible creator would stoop down to make himself known to us so that we might turn to him instead of this world, have a knowledge of him as he allows us to live here by his grace. So we need to be people who read our Bibles, who engage the scriptures. And if you're a human being like me, there's going to be times where you forget and times where you don't think you have very much time. That's just reality. So if you're doing a Bible reading plan with the church and you get off track, it's not the end of the world. Jump back in. Jump back in. Find that extra 20 minutes. Get up 20 minutes early. Stay up 20 minutes late. Scroll 20 minutes less, like whatever it might be to find opportunities to engage in this special revelation that God has given us, his people, this knowledge about himself. But the question is, well, how do I read my Bible? You might ask that. Like, I know how to read, but how do I like, actually like, read my Bible? It's just like names and places, and uh, I don't even know where to start. Well, it's easy to actually read your Bible the wrong way. We don't want to just read the Bible. We want to read it rightly if God's given it to us, we want to make sure with our human minds, we do the best we can to actually get it right. That's pretty critical, isn't it? To get it right, the revelation he's given us. One old-time preacher parable, this is actually one of Bobby Bowden's favorite stories, and he tells it almost every time he speaks uh, about Coach Bowden, about how to not read the Bible, how to make sure that you don't read the Bible the wrong way. Um, he He told a story about a man who, in order to really discern God's will for his life, would open his Bible and read whichever verse he saw first. One day, as he was going through a difficult time with his family, uh, he decided to go seek the Lord's guidance through the scriptures. He had to kind of close your eyes, open the Bible, find a verse, and the verse that his finger actually pointed to was Matthew 27:5 that said, "Then Jesus went away, and, or then Judas went away and hanged himself." Puzzled by these directions, Coach Powden tells the story all the time, but still hungry for a word from God, he called a do-over and flipped to another page and his eyes settled on Luke 10.37, which says, go and do likewise. <laughs> Flustered, but claiming it was just coincidence, he decided to give his method one last chance. So he said a quick little prayer Flipped the page and placed his finger on John 13, 27, which says, What you are about to do, do quickly. Misusing the Bible is easy. Correctly handling the Bible is not. So here's the Bible's not to be not meant to be read as a like quick little verse here or there to help you get through your day. It's to be read in its entire purpose which is the revelation of God and his story. So some questions to ask as you read your Bible and get more into the scriptures this year. And we're not gonna be the church that's like, hey, New Year's rev- resolutions, then never talk about it again. Like, we're gonna be chances to jump back in, to revisit, to be reading the scriptures throughout the year. First question I'm gonna ask is, well, what does it mean? Like, this passage I'm reading today, this part of the Bible, like, what does it actually mean? Like, what, what are they, what's really being talked about here? Not isolated verse, But to ask that question, what does it mean? Like, let's get some definition around this. Like, what is actually happening here? In other words, the other question, what does it say? Like, what does it actually say about God? What does it say about his people? What does it say about sin? What does it say about me and my responsibility to God? What does it say about our mission? Like, what does it actually say? And then the question, how does it fit within the Bible's, within the Bible's teaching as a whole? Because the Bible's not meant to be read isolated. There's a whole storyline of the scriptures. Like in Hebrews, it said, long ago, God spoke this way. But all these things were pointing to something. We're going to really get into that next week as we're in Genesis. All telling a greater story. Like, how does this fit into the whole biblical storyline? And we're going to work through and talk about how to do that and learn how to do that. How is the gospel understood in this passage? It's a really important question to ask. Like, what does it tell us about the good news? And as we'll see over the next few months as we're in the Old Testament, that doesn't wait until the New Testament. Like, throughout the Old Testament, we see a pointing to Christ. We see anything from the anticipation to a a real almost representation of Christ. Uh, We see over and over again, really from Genesis 3 onward, Things leading us to Christ, point us to the good news of the gospel. What Jesus has come to do for our sins. The story of really is of God creating the people, those people doing Romans one and saying, "God, no thanks. I don't want you. I want your stuff instead. I don't want to worship you. I want to worship me and what I want." And then God, who must punish sin because of His holiness, shows grace and compassion by redeeming people. A storyline of Jesus, who is anticipated who actually came as was fulfilled, promised and fulfilled, who died a death on behalf of the people that, he, that had abandoned him and deserted him to have a bride for himself, a people for his own. He rose from the grave conquering sin and Satan and death and one day will come again. Another important question, how do I apply it? Application matters too. How do I apply it? Sometimes the application might be, wow, I want to worship God for this i want to thank god for this sometimes the application is just comfort but my application is that wow that god really is in control it's not a cliche he really is sovereign he really does reign over the universe the application might be i need to repent of this sin i need to show love more in this way i need more confident about who jesus is that might be the application a lot of times the application isn't five ways to do better at work usually has something to do with how we think about God, how we view God, and what that now means for our hearts, for our minds, for our souls. But oftentimes, those principles hopefully will lead us to want to act on them and to live out certain things wherever God has placed us. And there's lots of ways, thankfully, to read your Bible today. And by ways, I mean means. You know, we have actual Bibles. And if you don't have one and want an actual like Bible, like printed Bible, We'd be glad to give you one. Go to our Connect desk after the service and we'll take care of you. We'll hook you up. It's important for you to have your Bible. Uh, There's reading plans. We have them we're doing as a church right now. If you go to our church website, boom, top of the page, you'll see it. Also, at at the Connect desk, we have our reading plans. We have like month-long questions and study things to help you ask these kind of questions that we're talking about. What does it tell me about God? What does it tell me about Jesus? What does it tell me about me? All those important questions. I use what's called the Dwell app. Uh, Because I know myself, and I'll be like, yay, let's read the Bible, and I love God's Word. And then I'll I'll, read it Monday, read it Tuesday, underline stuff, write notes. Then it's like Wednesday and Thursday, it's like, oh, wait, I was tired, or I didn't get a chance to, or my kid had a baseball game, or just just all this normal stuff, you know, that any person deals with. So I have the Dwell app. I told you last week, I have a a lady named Rosie with a British accent who reads the Bible to me, Uh, and it's wonderful. And so I, I also, Rosie talks to me every day. Uh, and as I drive into places, and it's a reading plan that goes along with our church's reading plan, and I use it, in, and it was kind of weird in my house, like, when I first started uh, hanging out with Rosie, my, my wife was like, "Who who's the person on speakerphone that, that girl you talk to, like, every day, or that you listen to? And I'm like, oh, it's Rosie. She's like, who's Rosie? And I'm like, oh, she reads the Bible to me. She's like, she reads the Bible to you? I'm like, oh, it's Rosie from the Dwell app. Sorry, it can be confusing. Uh, but God uh, has... Given us so many means, which is just incredible. Like, there's almost no excuse nowadays to not engage the scriptures. So I read the, I read the printed Bible and I also use that app, which is great. So I'm driving, I'm driving you know, into the office in the morning or driving to drop the kids off at school, and here it is plain for me to hear the scriptures and do that. So here's what we want to do over the next year, all the time, but really specific over the next year, is we want to be people who are, are hearing the word. There's some scripture reference on there to see how how that plays out. Want to be folks who are reading the Word. So Jeremiah 3:15, Deuteronomy 17:19. We're hearing the Word, like receiving it, we're reading it for ourselves. It's so important to be actually be at the church gathering to prioritize this. I, I find it interesting that when we've seen the church, and by church I mean like in America, I don't mean city church, but just like in general, probably more divided than ever. 2016 election was pretty rough in terms of what it did to people in terms of division, but but we didn't really see the full fruit of it, how it impacted like normal life outside of the extremes. But once you get to Black Lives Matter movement and then you saw the uh, how, how people respond to that and then you saw the 2020 election, everything leading up to that, and then we saw all the aftermath of the election. To the Capitol and what happened last week. Isn't it, I've never seen Christians more divided and more fractured. And as I was talking to a friend about last night over dinner, isn't it interesting that when all these major divisions are happening, a lot of them have been when the church hasn't been meeting? Like the height of some of these have been when the church has not been coming together. So, what's going on instead? We have more time on our hands. We're home more. We're not prioritizing this. We're not actually seeing names, actually not seeing faces in person of our brothers and sisters. We see screens. And we feel, and then we feel isolated. And then we are, the opinions just kind of grow in us and they start to just build this fire in us. A fire we've never even had for God before to this level, but have for all these other things. Is it a coincidence that a lot of times when these things really were brewing the most and how to, how to handle it, dividing over it, how to think about it, was when the churches weren't gathering. God's people are supposed to be together, faces, hearing God's word, praying together, taking the Lord's Supper together, singing together. So we want to hear the word, read the word. We're going to be studying the word. We're not just trying to check it off. I want to actually like think about it. On my dwell app when Rosie's reading to me, I'll have to sometimes rewind it real quick my mind wanders really quickly i'm like extremely like like extremely add uh, so i mean like really quickly so I'll, I'll miss a whole like two minutes from thinking about something else so i have to rewind it real quick i want to study it i don't want to just check it off my list i want to hear it receive it i think it's really important next we're gonna be memorizing the word memorizing god's word to find some scriptures in your readings go well i need to have that verse memorized that would be very helpful for me in my relationship with God, in my life with God, to actually have that verse memorized. And circle it or remember it. Go look it up if you're listening on the, to the Bible. And say, I, I want to work on memorizing that verse. Like, if I, if, I can name, if I can name Florida State's, you know, starting five in basketball, I, I, can, I, I can memorize a Bible verse. Or if I can name every single character on The Bachelorette since 2002 or whatever, like, I can, you know, I, I can memorize a Bible verse. I want to meditate on the word, which is kind of a processing just really, really kind of camping out for a minute and just kind of praying through a verse, thinking through a verse. God, make this real in my life. I struggle here. I want to camp out and just this, this area of I'm, I'm reading today. I've had a faith crisis here. I, I just don't know if I can really embrace that here. And i, I got to really meditate on it and just dig into it. And then none of this really matters unless we're doers of the word. We don't want to just hear the word and receive the word and do nothing about it. That's the application takes place. I want to go and do. I want this to make me a worshiper of God. Grateful to God for his grace, for his mercy. Because I want to read my Bible and I hope it makes me a better neighbor. I hope it makes me a better church member. I hope it makes me, you know, someone at work that's a light to others. Like I hope that it allows me to get through trials in a way that most people wouldn't be able to. Because of what I'm receiving from God and reading his word. So we had this special revelation. I'm pumped next week to jump into Genesis. And it's, I, I was telling someone the other day, I was like, I, I'm reading through Genesis like it's my job. And I was like, wait, it is my job. Uh, so I'm reading through Genesis and uh, it's just been great. And Exodus, we're just gonna keep rolling all the way through it. And there might be books of the Bible you never touched in your life. We're going a chance to hear a sermon all about it, understand it, to see what God has to say to us through so the scriptures, why it's there, why it matters, to answer those questions that we said are important. What does it say about God? What's the application? Like all those things we're gonna cover and I'm really excited for it. So let's pray together and then we will uh, stand up and, and sing some good news. Father, we are grateful for your word. We are, want to be good stewards. We don't want to be people who just have Bibles on our desk or on our bookshelf or and it's an app on our phone and don't read them or don't hear them. We want to receive your word. So I just ask for all of us in this room that have every excuse in the world for why we, ha- we can't read the Bible regularly or miss days. Lord, I, I just ask that you put it upon our hearts and just convict us that nothing is more important than hearing what you have to say. That our creator has spoken. And that great act of grace that our God has let us know who he is and about himself should be of great joy to us. So starting with myself, I just ask that I be someone who loves your word. Lord, forgive me when I take it for granted. And that we won't just read it, but we'll dive into it. And that we'll apply it and that we'll be better missionaries, we'll be better sons and daughters of our God because we know your word and because we have your scriptures. So I ask that you be with us as we do this. We ask you to be with all the churches in Tallahassee this new year. Let us all be united in the scriptures. Lord, as we, um, even more than needed a nation repaired, we need churches repaired. So we ask that people be united in Christ. And that will be the ultimate thing. With all of our opinions, even strong opinions, that ultimately our strongest opinion will be that Jesus is alive. And he's ruling and reigning today, and one day he will return for the church. We're thankful all that is true, because you have told us so through special revelation of the scriptures. In the name of Jesus.